Let's open our Bibles to the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 12 this morning. Finally, chapter 12. We've been waiting for this day. Would you stand with us and read God's word together? Genesis chapter 12, we'll read verses 1 through 9. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. The question that kept coming back to me over and over again was, how do I know? How do I know what God wants me to do with my future? Is the question. It just kept circling around over and over again as that last day of high school came nearer and nearer. Decisions had to be made. My parents couldn't afford to send me to college, and I didn't have any wealthy grandparents, and I wasn't the recipient of any of those government grants, special scholarships that you hear about. My post-high school education, it was going to be on me. On me. What did I want to do? What career path was I going to choose? And what school would be best to get me to where I wanted to go? These were big questions. And the way that those questions would be answered would have dramatic financial implications, at least depending on what school I decided to go to. The future was close at hand. I believed God had a plan, had a purpose for my life, yes. But how do you, how do you tap into the mind of God and figure out exactly what he wants you to do? Find out what his future that he has for you is. Have you been there? That's not just a problem for the young, is it? It's a problem for all of us. At every stage of life, we find ourselves on the brink of the unknown. If it's not what sport should I play, what class should I take, what career plans should I make, it's who should I marry, where should we live, should we rent, or should we buy? If it's not what job should I take, it's how should I be spending my money? Should I invest? 
What do I do with retirement? What should life look like now that my spouse has passed away? Last week, we saw how our pasts are no obstacle to what God wants to do with our future. Whether we've come from money or come from poverty, whether we're descended from royalty or from rags, whether we've been the perfect model children or we've been a constant source of grief and suffering, whether we've experienced tragedy, heartache, abuse. The past is no obstacle. It's no obstacle to God. And we've seen that time and time again over the last nine chapters in the book of Genesis. Despite humanity's continual dive into deeper darkness, God's been unfolding his plan, hasn't he? He's been doing it regardless of what has been going on because he's the one who is ultimately in control. This is his world. This is his story. And the future is going to turn out exactly the way he wants it to. Remember Ephesians 1.9. So many months ago, everything is according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I don't know what the future holds, but I know he holds my future. How do we step into that future, though? How do we step in? How can you step in to the future that God has planned for you? I'll give it to you right here, plain and simple. You and I step into God's plan for the future by answering his call with faith. By answering his call with faith. (laughs) But that leads, leads us to other questions, doesn't it? I mean, what is his call? And what does faith look like? Well, let's take a look this morning at one of the most important moments in all of human history. And we'll see how one man stepped into that future to which God had called him. And as we do, I think that we're going to see parallels to what the Bible says about God's plan for us. Abram's legacy, it's a legacy of faith. Genesis 15, 6 tells us, he believed the Lord And he counted it to him as righteousness. You know, Romans 4, Galatians 4, 6, James 2, 23, Hebrews 11, they all attest to that simple truth. When God chose this man, called him out of the darkness of pagan worship, Abram responded in faith. Now, there's no mention of the word faith here in our passage this morning. You can search and search. It's not there. And yet, every action that we see of Abraham, it's a testimony to his faith. Hebrews 11 connects Abram's faith and his actions together. It says in Hebrews 11, 8, by faith, Abram obeyed. And faith and action, they always go hand in hand, don't they? And because I trust that a car is going to get me to the destination that I want to go to, it's going to get me there quickly and safely, because of that, I open the door, 
I step in, I sit down, I buckle up, and there I go. I trust it. I put my faith in it because of that. I have actions that follow my faith in that vehicle. And because I don't have a lot of faith in recent technology, I am not going to be very inclined to step into one of those self-driving vehicles. <laughs> Why? Because I know how reliable my computer is, and I know how reliable my cell phone is, and I know I've heard the stories of how technology has let people down over and over again, and so I don't have much faith in those, and so my actions follow. Faith and action, they go hand in hand, and that's what James tells us. He says in verse uh, 17 of chapter 2, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And he's not saying that true faith sometimes fails to produce good works. That's not what he's getting at here. What he's saying is that any claim to faith that does not produce works, it's very likely that's a false claim. It's very likely that that is just faith in name only, and it's not real. It proves that that faith is dead. The actions that aren't there, they're, they're pointing to the fact that something's not right. That faith isn't alive. It's not well. If you don't act, there's a really good chance you don't have faith. Are you someone who claims to have faith? And is that faith producing? What is it producing? Abram was a man of faith. Genesis 15, 6 tells us that after hearing the word of the Lord, he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. God's word comes to him. God reveals himself to him, and Abram, he trusts it. He has assurance of it. He's confident of it, and it moves him to action. It produces action within him. What was God's word to Abram? Let's take a quick look at what that call looked like. Look again at verse 1. It says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now notice a couple things here. Abram's call. First of all, it was a call that God initiates. God's the one who initiates it. We mentioned last week that it was God who called Abram out of darkness, out of the darkness of that pagan moon worship in Ur, right? Abram was living his life. He was doing his thing. He was worshiping his gods. And that is when the one true God breaks into his life and reveals himself. Abram's past, it was no obstacle, right? No obstacle. Secondly, God tells Abram what he needs to leave. Do you see that in our passage? Verse 1 says that he needs to leave his nation. He needs to leave his kindred. He needs to leave his father's house. Those are all pretty specific things, aren't they? Very specific. And not only are they specific, but they are huge. This is a big deal here. These are things that you would associate security, safety, familiarity, prosperity, even a human flourishing, you'd, you'd associate that with things like your nation and your, your people and your father's house. Essentially, God is saying, leave everything. I want you to leave everything. Leave your whole life behind. 
everything you enjoy, everything that you have been working with to build up a life for yourself, everything that you had hope in, everything that your future was established on, leave it all. Get rid of it. That's a pretty tall order, isn't it? A very high cost. God could have said, Abram, I want you to come with me on an adventure. Make sure you turn off the lights. Make sure you get someone to feed your cat. We're going on a little journey together for a little while. We're going to be gone. But no, God doesn't say that. This wasn't a day trip, nor was this a tour of duty. This was it. Leave it all. We're not coming back. Abram was to move away from certain specific things. But then he was also called to go, to go. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. So the details of what he was to, to leave behind, those were very, very clear. But then God tells him to go. Go where? Go to the land I will show you. And that reminds me of when I was growing up and we'd be playing video games or whatever in my, in my, in my house and my dad would barge in and he'd say, boys, I got some work for you to do. <laughs> and we would say, what kind of work do you have for us? It doesn't matter what kind of work I have for you. Let's go right now. And so it could have been three minutes or it could have been three hours. It could have been skimming the pool. It could have been pulling weeds, probably both and probably a whole lot more. And I hated that because not only it disrupted my plans, but it was so vague that I had no idea of what I was in for. I don't like that. John Calvin wrote that God was basically saying to Abram, I command you to go forth with eyes, with closed eyes, and forbid you to inquire where I am about to lead you until, having renounced your country, you shall have given yourself wholly to me. That's not an easy ask. That was a call that was going to require tremendous faith. When God calls, he's calling you to trust him completely. Completely. To trust in the Lord with all your heart to surrender your desire to be in control and let him guide you step by step into the future. Now, thankfully for Abram, even though God didn't spell out all the details, even though God didn't tell him exactly where he was going, God did make it clear that following him was going to be good. It was going to be good, and that's the fourth part of the call. God promises blessing. And this is a dramatic turn in history, in the history of the world, because up until now, we've seen humanity's defiance. We've seen their determination to go their own way. We've seen that rebellion. We've seen the perversion. We've frankly seen flat-out evil from these people. That's what we've seen in Genesis 3 to 11. This was a people that deserved to be cursed. They didn't deserve any hope, any future. They deserved punishment, but look at verse, 12, uh, verse 2 of chapter 12. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. 
and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We have five blessings in two verses. And it's not just for Abram. He intends to bless everyone through Abram. Even those despicable lowlifes who are spread out all over the place and their existence is making a mockery of the name of God. Can this be right? Is this... Is this right that God is going to bless these people? Can this be the same God who wiped the face of the earth with that flood because of the violence that had filled it? Is that the same God? Yeah, it absolutely is. We've said over and over again the past several weeks that in the midst of all the violence, in the midst of all the depravity, God was sovereignly working out. God has sovereignly been unfolding his great plan to bring good to the world. We've seen him bringing it in, making it happen, moving in spite of all the stuff that humans are doing. And God's plan to bless begins with this call to Abram. But here, herein lies the moment of truth. How would this resident of Ur, this pagan moon worshiper, respond to the call of God to leave everything and travel to this undisclosed location? How would he respond? He would respond in faith. He'd respond in faith. Abram would step into God's plan for his future by answering his call with faith. And as we said before, his faith was seen in the actions that it produced. Let's, let's look at his actions real quick. First of all, Abram moved. He moved. Verse 4 says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So God said, go, and Abram went. God said, leave it all behind. And Abram said, okay, I'll do it. And notice that Abram wasn't any spring chicken here. He, was, he and his family left Ur. They traveled to this place called Haran. And there they stayed for a while. We don't know if they stayed because his father, Terah, just didn't want to go any further because he, he wanted to continue the moon worship. We don't know that. Or maybe he was just too ill and couldn't go any farther. We don't know. But Abram waits with his father. His father dies at the age of 205. And then Abram, he picks up and keeps on going. And by that time, he was 75 years old. You might think that by that time, God's call that he had heard, it would have worn off on him a little bit. God, I had every intention of following your call. Look, I made an effort, but I'm a little old now. I'm a little old. Things just didn't work out. A life happened. I intended to follow you, but it got complicated. You'd think that that would be Abram's response, but no. Age was no obstacle to Abram. His faith was such that it propelled him, even in those later years, propelled him forward. His usefulness to God, it wasn't calculated by how many years he thought that he might have left. No, as far as he was concerned, as long as there was breath in his lungs and blood beating through his veins, he was God's man. I'm here. I'm going to continue to answer the call. 
He wasn't going to be tied down by the trappings of life. No price was too great to do what God had called him to do. And so Abram moves from all that he had known, and he continued to follow God into the unknown. Abram moved away, but Abram followed. Verse 5 says, Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Have you ever needed to go somewhere, uh, but instead of giving you directions, the person, the friend in the other car said, you know, just, just follow me. I'll get you there. <laughs> I hate that. Following isn't an easy thing to do. I'd rather, much rather, know where I'm going and lead others than follow. I'd rather chart a course and have someone else follow me than be the chase car, constantly having to watch that car in front of me. Oh my gosh, there's a red light. I don't know. Now I'm stressing out. I don't know if I'm going to, I might lose them. I'm going to be lost forever. I don't like that. But as God directed, Abram followed. And ultimately, that would lead him to the land of Canaan. Now, notice something important here in verse 5. It says that Abram took his wife, his dead brother's son Lot, all their possessions, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. Now, first glance, this phrase kind of makes us think that this is talking about the slaves that Abram had acquired all these people that he bought to do his bidding and serve him. But one of the most trusted scholars on the book of Genesis says that this phrase is actually better translated, the souls that they had won in Haran. The souls that they had won. If, this, if that translation is correct, then what's happening here is that more than likely, Abram while he was in Haran, while he was waiting with his family, he was still answering God's call on his life, and God was using him to actually be a blessing to those people, to those other pagans in the land of Haran. And that means that Abram was sharing his faith with others. And he's proclaiming the good news about what God has called him to and where he's, God has called him to go. And he's bringing others along with him. We're going to see evidence of that in a few more minutes. So Abram's faith, it moved him away from his old life. And it led him to follow wherever God would take him. It also caused him to worship. To worship Look at verse 5, the end of verse 5. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. We see Abram moving into the land as God was directing him. The land wasn't empty. There were Canaanites there. This wasn't going to be an easy place to live. Probably not a very friendly place to be. But God wasn't leading him there to just meet up with all the other God followers. 
This wasn't going to be like a children of God family reunion that Abram was headed towards. No, it wasn't that. This was truly a foreign land with foreign beliefs. Shechem, that place he went, that's kind of at the heart of Canaan. And the Oak of Morah was a place a place in the land where people would gather together and they would listen to the soothsayers make their prophecies based on how the wind rustled the leaves of the oak. That is where Abram starts placing rocks on top of each other and builds an altar to God. It was, that was the place where just before, God reveals himself to Abram and says, I am giving this land to your offspring. And Abram stacks the rocks. He builds an altar, and he worships God. And after that, he goes to a place near Bethel, between Bethel and Ai, and that was a place that was dedicated to the Canaanite god El. This was a sanctuary for worship of that god. And in that same spot, Abram starts stacking rocks again and builds an altar to the Lord and worships his God. It's almost as if this is in direct defiance to the gods of the land. The people of the land are looking, what is going on here? This man's stacking rocks. We're all worshiping our gods. What's he doing over here? Abraham was, Abram was worshiping his God. But you know what? As he was worshiping his God, he was also sharing his faith. Abraham's faith moved him to share his faith. It wasn't something that he could keep quiet. It must be shared. Abram's entourage, you know, that was no small thing. When he talked about all those others that came with him, that was a lot of people. Because you see in Genesis 14, 14, we read of a time where Abram gathers together 318 of his trained men, and he sends them out on a rescue mission. 318 out of who knows how many. This was a big group. There were a lot of people here. And here they are gathering in these pagan places of worship. And here they are setting rocks up, building an altar to the one true God. This was a public ordeal. There was no hiding here. The people of the land, they must have been watching they must have been wondering. I'm sure questions were asked, and I'm sure Abram had answers. Verse 9 says, and Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. And so he comes into the, the land that God told him to go to from the north, and he makes his way south all throughout the land, setting up monuments, setting up altars to the Lord. It's amazing. It's like he was taking the public display of worship of the one true God on tour. Cross the land so that everyone might know. And so we see Abram stepping into the future that God had for him by just answering the call in faith. You know, it's the same for us. It's the same for us. 
you and I step into God's plan for the future by answering his call with faith. You might say, but wait a second, how do I know what God has called me to when I haven't heard God's call yet? Oh yeah, of course, Abram, he can do all these great and mighty things because God came to him. God made it super plain to Abram. God hasn't made anything super plain to me. But the reality is, God has made it really plain. God has made his call to you and to me plain. You see, it was the word of the Lord that came to Abram, whether that was in the form of an an audible voice or something he just heard inside his head or maybe was written in the night sky as he gazed up at the moon. I don't know. But it was the word of the Lord just the same. And God's word has been given to us as well. And what God's word tells us is that Abram's call and our call are tied together. More than that, that the blessings that God talked about to Abram, those blessings are for us as well. Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We're part of that blessing. The ultimate fulfillment of those blessings that were promised to come from Abram, those are the blessings that have come about through Abram's line, ultimately in Jesus Christ, the promised one, who came from Abram. Speaking to people who had no physical connection to Abram's family, people who were on the outside looking in, who were part, who were not part of God's chosen people in any way, shape, or form, Paul says in Galatians 3, verse 7, Know then that it is those of, excuse me, those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abram saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Through the line of Abraham, the Son of God would come, the Savior of the world, the snake killer, Jesus Christ would come, and he would take away the sins of the world, take them upon himself when he went to the cross. And by his death and resurrection, he has made a way for people of every tongue, tribe, and nation to be blessed in the best way possible. To be washed clean and have their relationship with their creator restored amazing. It's a call. It's a call to us. It's a call to us who were in darkness to believe. We're called to respond in faith, just like Abram was called to respond in faith. And as you and I hear God's call and turn our eyes to Jesus and look to him alone for all that we need for our future, We need to respond with belief. It's a call to move. It's a call to move away from the life we had before, to leave it all behind. Jesus said, then uh, it says this, if anyone would come after me, 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So just like Abram, those who respond to faith in Jesus, they're called to leave the lives that they were building before. Leave behind those hopes and dreams. It's no longer about making a name for ourselves. It's no longer about putting down roots and building up mansions for ourselves here on earth. It's not about seeking security in stocks or mutual funds. It's not about finding value or fame in our accomplishments. It's not about looking for significance in our relationships. And it's not about seeking satisfaction in earthly pleasures. It's about leaving all of those things behind and finding that Jesus was, is, and always will be everything that we need. Does your faith in Christ show itself in how you have moved away from the life you had before? It's a call to move away from, but it's a call also to follow. To follow Christ. To watch closely his every move and actively seek that our lives look like his. To step where he steps and go where he goes. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Just like Abram, we're not given all the details. We don't have all of our future mapped out in front of us. We don't know exactly where he will take us. He doesn't tell us all the twists and turns our lives will take, what job we'll end up with, who we'll marry, if we'll ever have children. We're just called to follow. We're just called to follow. I like what Kent Hughes writes He writes, everything around us tells us to hunker down, save everything, hedge ourselves about with every protection. Our natural desires are for more comforts. Our culture celebrates great homes and dynastic families, but God's word says otherwise, instructing us to seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Does your faith show itself in how you follow? You and I have been called to believe that we might move away from, that we might follow, but we're also called like Abram to worship. To worship God in response to what he's done for us. Just like Abram, everywhere we go, we're to be a people called out by God and who praise God and worship him. People who point others constantly to the one true God. And it doesn't matter uh, where we are or how public it is, or how anti-Christian that place or that community might be. We're to live lives, to speak words, to sing songs of worship to the God who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Does your faith in Christ show itself in how you worship? And finally, as we worship, like Abram, we're called to share to share the hope we have in Christ. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go into, the, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel 
to the whole creation. Does your faith show itself in how you share the hope that you have in him? By faith, move, follow, worship, share. How do I know where God has called me to? That's all right here. It's in his word. It's written down. It's preserved throughout history, and it's for you. And God didn't come to me in a dream or a vision or some audible voice. I didn't look down at my alphabet cereal and see there floating in the milk the secret message from God. What I did find was that even though he's not given me all the details of where life might go, the call he gave was clear. It was clear. It's a call that gives me a hope and a future. And after I respond to that call in faith, it allows me to step into the future that God has planned for me. Have you answered that call? Maybe you're here this morning and you've had excuse after excuse. You built up walls and you've heard the story of Jesus and what he came to do for you, how he died on the cross for your sins. He took your sin upon himself. He paid for every single one of them so that you might be washed clean and forgiven. If only you would just believe, but for some reason you've had a wall up and you just say, I can't go there. I can't do that. Answer the call. Place your trust in him. Begin with faith like stepping into the car and saying, yeah, I trust in this. I trust in Jesus. Maybe you're here and you have answered the call. You've trusted in Christ. You've begun that journey out of darkness. And maybe along the way, you've gotten sidetracked. Maybe the worries of life, the pains, the responsibilities, maybe even the good things that have come in life have distracted you. Maybe you've lost sight of the goal. You've taken your eyes off the prize and your faith is no longer the thing that drives you. It's time to set your eyes back on him and say, I trust you. I need you. Let my faith in you lead me to move, follow, worship, and share. Let's pray.